0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning to you all once more. How was your Saturday yesterday? Pretty good? You know, ours uh, ours was an up and down Saturday as a family yesterday. Of course, it was the 20th reunion of September 11th, and of, and uh, my kids have no idea what uh, we went through on that day 20 years ago yesterday. But of course, my seven-year-old Jackson, uh, his class has been, has been talking about it, and at the breakfast table yesterday, he actually asked how it was and and what it was like, and so we got to have. Um, to have some time around the breakfast table just just telling and instilling in them what that meant for for this country and where we were, and and we got to tell those stories. Um, From there, we went on, and it was Jackson's first soccer game yesterday, and yours truly is one of the coaches on the sideline that's coaching that that group of the first-time-ever soccer players at seven years old, and I think I need confession today. (laughs) The... because I'm already treating them like they're seniors and they already know what they're doing so that that was part of our up and down Saturday. And then probably like for the rest of us maybe, or, or some of us, you, you probably sat down to watch your team in college football and or, or something like that, that's how I finished the evening last night and I tell you, um, two weeks ago as of, of the Friday of two weeks ago I was very optimistic about my team, Texas Tech, how they looked, all the transfers they got. And I'm telling you, they're 2-0, but it's not looking very good so far. Last night, they, lost, or they, they barely beat a team that they should have beat by 50 points, one of those types of things. But one of the things that I have seen in this season is that Coach Wells must be one of those masterful halftime speech guys. And he and his staff making the adjustments that the, the team comes out in the second half and they look like they're supposed to. But the last two weeks, they've just laid an egg when it comes to the first two quarters, and they've just looked atrocious. And then all of a sudden, this team comes out, you know, right at the at the end, of, at the start of the third quarter, out of halftime, and they look like the team that we're all expecting and that the hype was supposed to show. Now that's one thing, that illustration is what I wanted to use to, to look at our gospel today. The half, what happens at halftime? The speech that a very motivational coach can give, as well as the adjustments that are made to come out at the second half and that it be a different story. With that illustration, let us look at this gospel of Mark 8 that you heard me read just a moment ago. And there's a few different ways we can actually look at it as a halftime of sorts. Now we have verse 27 that we start with. Verse 26, there's actually a line between that, that makes it go the entire gospel story in a complete different direction. Some theologians call the, line, the dividing line between verse 26 and 27 the continental divide of the gospels. And what I'm talking about is up until this point, Jesus has been out with the crowds, mostly in the Galilee region, as we've been hearing uh, over over the past several Sundays. And he's been doing those uh, healings and teachings and miracles so that many would see. Both the Jewish nation as well as the Gentile nation in different times and places. But it has been about the masses. Now, all of a sudden, here's that divide and that turning point in the opening of our gospel today, and to where Jesus is going to really begin to focus on the 12th and preparing them for what they are going to face in his death and in his resurrection. So that's, that's the dividing line as now everything is beginning to turn and prepare the home team, the disciples, as well as they will be heading towards Jerusalem in due time. And as well as in the uh, talking about half halftime speeches, the, uh, contextually, I think even it gives us a little more into the depth of what's going on in our gospel this morning. Jesus has taken the disciples as He is beginning their final preparation and for what will come their way. He actually takes them to where we hear a Caesarea Philippi. Now this is the place right outside of Mount Hermon to where the Jordan River actually begins. And where Jesus is going to begin to do this training and this halftime speech of sorts with the d- disciples today, he actually chose a place that would actually deepen the message of what he's trying to get across. Now, as the accessory of Philippi is a Roman village, and in that village, they actually call the Caesar. They make everyone who resides there, they make them called Caesar Lord. As well as that, that mouth of the Jordan River where it actually starts, there was a temple built there to, to the mythical god Pan. So that's the Roman side of things where they're having this conversation. And then on the Jewish side of things, the mouth of the Jordan River is a sacred place to where they actually call it where, they, where the source of life and the source of living water actually comes from. And it is in that place where Jesus begins this holy halftime speech in, in preparation with the disciples. As he first says, who are people out there saying that I am? And keep in mind where they are in those sacred sites. And then they answer him, well, what we're hearing is you're either John the Baptist or Elijah or at least one of the prophets people are telling you. And then he turns the question on them. And he says, well, who do you? say that I am. And that the one who always speaks up and acting like one of those million dollar free agents on a football team, Peter comes up and he says, "Well, you are the Messiah." But this is where that training and that preparation really begins to take hold. As Jesus will he he knows that they have a small understanding or a cultural understanding of what the Messiah The Christ is to be. But he is going to deepen it and say, this is why I come, and this is my identity. It's going to heavily affect me as it is you. As he says, the Messiah has come and will undergo great suffering and even be killed, but only to rise again three days later. Now, you think, and Peter's thinking, what? What is this? this is not how it's supposed to go. Everything to this point has been going so well and you're just going to die? And we hear Peter comes and he, he pulls the you know Jesus' the coach aside and he says, are you sure this, this is the way it's supposed to go? And we hear Jesus put Peter in his place and he says, get behind me, Satan. This is exactly why I've come and the way that it's going to go. And we see Peter rebuked. In that moment and you see what this is setting them up for is the understanding of who God is and why Jesus had to come revealing his identity that he says keep this only to you right now For the world is not ready, but the time is coming as he is just preparing and training up the 12 for what they will be facing. And then as it continues from there, he's he's telling them, uh, once you understand that I am the Christ and what that means, that I am not a political Messiah. I am not a military Messiah, one that would come to save, but I am a Messiah that came to be crucified and this is crucial for your understanding of the second half of what we face next you see peter and the rest of the disciples with peter being the scapegoat the one that would speak up they had come to a time and place with jesus and they had just come to understand what jesus would tell them this is the true identity my true identity and why i have come And from here, Jesus knows that they will face much turmoil and much adversity, as well as the the people that will be coming for for them possibly. And he says, I need you to do three things. These are the halftime adjustments I need you to make to prepare you for what we will be facing. Those three things, as he says to them, with this understanding that I am the Christ if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciples, you must dethrone yourselves. You must die by taking up your cross. And you, may, you must decide to lose your life for me and for the sake of the Gospels. These are the halftime adjustments that Jesus brings before them. Dethrone, die, and decide. Now how do we dethrone? As he says, deny yourselves. And this is not simply a denying something for ourselves or against ourselves, but denying ourselves by removing ourselves off of the throne that we have naturally placed ourselves upon and putting Christ in that place, a dying of self. And then we hear that's, that's the second adjustment that he brings up, that you must die. By taking up your cross. Now what that means is that the cross was the instrument of death. And that dying to self, the self is once and for all put to death so that Christ may be the lead in your heart, and your mind, and your body and soul. The one that is on the throne of your life as you have been removed. This is where the natural things of self that lead us astray are put to death and service to our Lord begins. And the third and final of those halftime adjustments is to decide. Decide when, when the self has been put to death and we begin to walk a life of in relationship and service to our Lord. Will you decide to save your life? For the sake of the world, or will you lose your life for the sake of Christ and for the gospel? When we consider those things in our own power, it is so, it, we've probably lived how we were fall on our face time after time if we try to do those those halftime adjustments in our own power. But remember where Jesus started with this halftime adjustment. Uh, coaching and making these adjustments that he is the Messiah. And the suffering that he would go through and the victory that he would win by rising again in his resurrection means that we get to walk in that resurrection power. And no matter what adversity, what suffering, or what challenge comes for us, we are reminded by his cross that the victory has been won. Now, as many football second halves go, sometimes we don't win, and sometimes it even gets worse. But walking in this Christian life, something so much more important than a football game, I pray that as you arrive this morning, whether you are walking in a season of celebration or if you're going through adversity yourself, something you're facing that that. I might not even know what it is going on to this point, but may you be encouraged by the halftime speech of Jesus as well as the adjustments that have been made. That that Jesus had to come and he suffered great things and he was killed, but he he rose again winning the victory for us all because of that we walk in his grace and his power and we find it within ourselves by that power to deny ourselves to dot, to take up our cross and to decide to live no longer for ourselves in the world but for him and for the sake of the gospel now that we have heard the halftime speech as well as the adjustments that have been made let's go get them amen